0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching with TBA rabbinic intern Joshua Jacobs. It is really wonderful that that Beth Am is reopening and picking up on the joy and love and energy in the air, I decided that this week we were going to talk about anger and hate, so I may have missed the mark on (laughs) it. But this week, something very pivotal happens, which is Moshe striking the rock, and we know that from that moment Moses is now disqualified from entering the land of israel and it 's a really emotional moment every time you read it because we love Moshe we 've seen everything he 's sacrificed and given for this people, and at the very end god says you're not you 're not going in you 're not crossing over and so it, it, it's it 's uh, something that is really worth wrestling with and trying to understand. So the first text uh, that I want us to dive into is that moment. What ex- And I want us to think about what is the sin here? What, what, is, what has uh, disqualified Moses from the land here? Um, so can I have a volunteer to read the first verse? This is from Numbers 20.10. Oh, great. I'm going to read it because I have the mic. So <laughs> you'll get uh, used to my voice here. But... Um, I'll go ahead and do it in English. Moses and Aaron assembled the congregation in front of the rock, and he said to them, Listen, you rebels, shall we get water for you out of this rock? I'm going to read that in Hebrew because there's one word I'm going to circle back to later. shimu Shimunah Hamorim, rebels, Hamin Haselahazeh, no Maim. And Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. Out came copious water, and the community and their beasts drank. So before we dive into the next text, I just want to ask you, what do you make of this? What is the what's the great sin Moses is committing? I'm sure it's a question we've asked ourselves before. Yes. He hit the rock twice, not once. Right. He hit. Not trust in God. Great. So he hit the rock twice, not once, and that signals not enough trust in God, right? If he trusted God, he would have fully obeyed the letter of the law there, which was just to speak to it, right? Okay. Great. Another? Yes. Nice. So his tone in addressing the people here, right? He's their leader. Uh, a, a leader should be patient and compassionate with the, the people that, that the leader leads, even if they are not the easiest. Uh, but he calls them rebels, right? More even here. And his tone is a bit frustrated. I and mean, he maybe loses his composure. Marshall, yeah. So question why are they called rebels? God, God is not angry with them, it's not a reasonable request for them great so are they really rebels Do they earn that title there they're thirsty uh it's just human nature to need why they can't survive so are they really doing something wrong here by requesting water i see a lot of hands yes Interesting point, too. There's some ambiguities here about who's really getting that water, how much is coming out. It, there's, there's more questions there. That's great. I saw some hands here. It's almost a comparison to mm-hmm. the previous partia, The rebels with and his gang, And Moses making that comparison. Interesting. So comparing and contrasting this to Korach, right? Real rebels. Uh, so it's interesting to hold that up to to that. And it came just recently. Yes. Oh, interesting. So maybe usurping some of God's credit there. Shall we, uh, meaning Aaron and myself, get water for you, right? And God will say later, you failed to glorify me among the people. So maybe there's a little bit of uh, stealing God's credit. I saw another hand, and then we'll move on. great so maybe there's an element of, of a little bit of showing off uh that gathering a crowd here's what i can do and by the way i know all of this is said with with love and reverence for our our prophet of whom there is none uh, none again but uh right yes Right. It's just a blatant disregard of what God had actually commanded. And, you know, God has commanded a lot, and maybe there's a lot of, of instructions swirling around in Moses' head. But still, he's in a position of unique authority and power and should be held to a higher standard. And if he fails to carry it out, that's an issue. I want to move on for the sake of time. I'll read this next uh, uh, text. This is from, This is a Hasidic text, and the commentator's name, I looked him up and could not find who he is. So there's an air of mystery here. But... Uh, This is picking up on he struck the rock with his his rod twice. They tell a story about Rabbi Yisrael from Ruzin, a place in Ukraine. He saw one of his sons become angry with a certain Hasid. When the son saw that his father listened and was quiet, he became even more angry with the Hasid. The Ruziner, the, the rabbi, finally quieted his son and said to him, This is like Moses Rabbeinu, who struck the rock twice, and it was considered a sin. Because it's okay to lose your temper once and become angry. But if a person returns to their anger, behold, this is a sign of an angry person. And anger is a disgusting trait. The sages said, this is from the Talmud, God is angry every day. But to what extent? A moment. As it is said, and this is quoting from Psalms, God's anger lasts a moment. Rega, just a moment. From here we learn that one is not permitted to remain in anger for more than a moment like God's anger. And Moses, since he struck the rock twice, it was revealed that he stood in his anger for longer than the appropriate measure and was therefore punished. So some initial reactions to this. um, I think the clear takeaway that at least I get from this is that whereas God has every reason to be angry because uh, uh, while we're great, while we're, possessed of real moments of greatness, we're also capable of real moments of frustration and disappointment, I think, from God's point of view. So if God is angry all the time, and yet it says God is angry only for a moment, what gives us the right, human beings, to be angry for more than, than what God allows? Uh, hands here. We'll go here first. Yeah. Okay, so what happens in, okay, most of human beings, um, what <laughs> Mm-hmm. and it changes from red to green and you don't go right away and they start honking it, right. right? And you feel like all of a sudden there's some stress and you, and you go maybe faster through the light than you wanted to, mm-hmm. right? So, but you can see that the rest of the congregation is going, really, we're thirsty, we're thirsty, we're thirsty. So perhaps it wasn't anger. Perhaps it was like stress Ah, uh, yeah. You know, Interesting, right? So we can't forget that Moses is a human being, and it's very important that all of our heroes are flawed. And and we know one of the first things we know of Moses is he strikes the taskmaster and what might be a moment of anger, what might be a moment of just righteous indignation. Um, But but in any event, he's a human being. And... uh, Maybe this isn't anger at all, maybe this is just a elicited response. Uh, the example you gave being a traffic light, somebody honks at you, you kinda just go, he's got a, a crowd of people, a lot of people yelling at him, and it's hard to operate under that kind of pressure. Yes? And to hang on being, to be angry for a right. is, is a very tough order. Right. And, and how right. Is that moment? Are we talking about between strike one and strike two? Right. So, you know, <laughs> in, in Right. Okay, great. So is that even possible? Is, is what's being said here attainable? Can, can human beings really only be angry for a moment and only a moment? If we're comparing ourselves to God here, how can we make a comparison to God, right? It's okay for God to be angry for a moment. God is God. But we can't live up to that. And I will just say for some context that, that uh, the Hasidim and Hasidism, anger, they hate anger. There's, some, there's like this, they really, they hate, they're really angry about anger. So, uh Yes. Mm-hmm. But, but then Right. made us human. We, we can't do that right. so there's, it's, it's, it's a little unfair uh, Right. To in that, uh, that's, that's I'll be just the right, I'll, I'll right. So it, uh, mm. y- right exactly we're created human we're created flawed uh, and we're created to feel and experience anger and anger serves a purpose by the way I, I think while it says here that anger is a disgusting trait some of us are picking up on the fact that anger serves a purpose it can actually when channeled correctly be productive well, why, so God, so water, so isolate, right twice, right so maybe there's a little bit of unfairness with the circumstances here Brant oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the punishment doesn't fit the crime mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's the problem. The pun- punishment is too extreme for the crime. So there must be some other reason, than just the rock. Great. In other words, if we assume God is all knowing, there's something about Moshe that is more than just this rock. Right. That we don't know about. Great. Because outwardly, we're repulsed by the idea that once between one swing, one one. Uh, you know, hit. one hit and another right. hit, and then you don't get it. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So there's something, but we have to assume that there's a reason he's excluded from the land. And we don't know about his entire psyche, his entire history, right. his existence, and all of that plays into it. But it, that, because if it's just this, yeah. then and even through our current eyes, or even through eyes... Of anybody reading this, the punishment doesn't fit the Great. I'm going to pause here with an attorney saying that this is a disproportionate punishment, and that's it. Uh, but you go further and say, let's give God the benefit of the doubt here and say that if God is all knowing, maybe there's a deeper sin here. And what could that be? I th- that's actually the perfect segue on a mindful of time. But I also have a hard time saying no to hands. So let's do <laughs> here, and then and then I'm going to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go for it. Mm. Right. So, so went into this yeah. With like some Interesting. Right. So, if we're talking about the crime, what was the crime? Was it hitting the rocks? Was it the anger that exist, pre existed that? Thank you. Nice. You got it. (laughs) Okay, great. You got it. So what else is going on here? What are the other factors we need to factor in here? His sister just died. His brother's about to. But his sister just died. He uses the word morim, which comes from the same root, miriam. right? You can see it in there at least. And so is he affected by these uh, uh, extraneous circumstances that are playing an important role? We're going to return to that. I want to move to this next text. And we just have a few minutes before, because I want to keep us to time. This is from, uh, uh, this is from the Talmud, um, Tractate Shabbat. Wasn't it taught that Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says in the name of, of Hilfabar Agra, who said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, one who rends his garments in his anger, or who breaks his vessels in his anger, or who scatters his money in his anger, should be like an idol worshiper in your eyes, as that is the craft of the evil inclination. Today, it tells him to do this, and tomorrow, it tells him to do that, until eventually, when he no longer controls himself, it tells him, worship idols, and he goes and worships idols. I'll pause there to say, I think that's potentially a little bit of a stretch, maybe not in the rabbinic imagination, but this idea that it's a slippery slope to idolatry, but I I still accept and believe in this argument, it's saying that there is an element to anger that is like idol worship. So whether you agree with how they get there, I think that's a powerful point. Rabbi Avin said, what verse alludes to this? There shall be not a strange God within you, but you shall not bow to a foreign God, right? They're picking up on this within you, which is Bo, right? Or sorry, Becha, thank you, because it's in this, right. Lo Becha Elzar, there shall not be within you a foreign god. So you could interpret that as among you. You shouldn't have idols among you. But if it's literally saying within you, the question they're asking is, what is this foreign god within you? What is the strange god that is within a person's body? Say that it is the evil inclination. And we can stop there. So what is the crime? Maybe the crime was that for a moment, Moses, who smashes the two tablets when the people bow to the golden calf, uh, maybe in this moment... Moses, slip, this is a, an extreme statement, but slips into idol worship by yielding to his evil inclination or anger, which the rabbis here are saying is a foreign God within you. So does that, does that resonate with people that, that the evil inclination, which certainly serves a purpose when channeled correctly, uh, but in this case, anger, do we ever serve it? Does it ever control us? Does it ever become something that is like, another, like a false god? Yeah. Yes. Let's admit it, it. Sometimes it just feels good. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it just feels and, good. And you're just feeling like, okay, I'm on a roll here. I'm yeah. just going to dive more into it. Right. You can Lose yourself. You can lose what's important. Right. And you, you, you can become an idol. So I want to pick up, this. Is, I want to end on a couple images here, right? Well, one is fire. I think that anger is often. Uh, per, uh, out, made an, an analogized to fire, right? It's a consuming fire. An interesting God appears in a burning bush but says that the, the bush was not that the, the bush was not consumed. So I think there's an interesting thing there of how how can we sort of channel that fire and not be consumed by it. But in these cases, you know, if, if anger is fire, it can be consuming. But in this parsha we deal a lot with water. It begins with um, the para aduma, the, the red heifer and what you do is uh, you take its ashes and put it in the water, and the, this becomes a purifying agent. It's a water of purity, right? Um, and contrast that to what's happening here. Moses strikes the, wa- the rock, so water uh, will come through. And we have Miriam who dies in this parsha? And, and Rabbi Shot spoke last night about how when Miriam dies, this is the final verse, it says that uh, the people lost their access to water because Miriam was this this force of water, supplied the water, was a nourishing force. We know that her whole life is kind of these, these big moments are around water. Uh, she watches Moses in the Red Sea in the basket, um, she sings at, at, at Yam Suf, the Sea of Reeds, uh, gets her timbrel. And, and here, so she's right after she dies, it says the people complained that they were thirsty. So the rabbis say that she was the, this source of water. So we, we identify anger and hatred with fire, but can we also identify it with water? And if we do, what are the implications of that? I think it could be that we start with the para aduma, the red heifer, that there are rituals in, in this great tradition in Judaism that help us deal with our impurities. The, the great thing about the the, my, the, the, the the water from the red heifer is that it allows us to purify ourselves of our impurities. And if we can say that our impurities are our hatred or, or whatever is left over from the evil inclination, there's a ritual that lets us cleanse ourselves from that. And if not, you get this, the waters of strife, when, when the May Meriva. When, when, uh, you can't, when you yield to the evil inclination, when you are consumed by your hatred, you get not the pure waters of, of the red heifer, but the waters of strife. And in, in what ways uh, does the waters of strife inundate, flood us? And in what ways can we lean on the ritual... Uh, the rituals of judaism this tradition to help us cleanse ourselves purify ourselves not of anger entirely we're human beings it serves a purpose we can channel it for righteous purposes but how do we how do we make sure that it doesn't consume us in in very polarizing times where it certainly threatens to you have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from temple beth on a dynamic center for conservative judaism in los angeles if you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Betham Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.